Welcome to Pause and Reflect, a brand new podcast which looks to discuss the furry fandom and profile one creative or significant member of the community in each episode. I am your host, Mike Pause, and joining me today on Skype from Buffalo, New York, is the host of Furcast and Friday Night Tech, Paradox the Red Wolf, also known as CTC Wired, who works in computing. Welcome to the show, Paradox. It's lovely to have you taking part. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to talk to you. It must be weird for you because you're now on the other side of the mic in a sense. Yeah, it is very interesting. Normally you're the one calling into my show, but you know, times change. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, uh, it's good. I'm definitely happy to be doing this. So for you, how did you come across the fairy fandom? Oh, geez. Uh, do you want the truth or do you want the uh, non-NSFW version? <laughs> um, I, I could do both. Well, we want this to be pretty truthful and people to be feel like they're honest okay. with themselves. Um, so I, uh, throughout my whole life, um, kind of, even when I was a little kid, I kind of, uh, for Halloween, which is a you know holiday where you dress up and stuff like that, I wanted to be a cat. And this was when I was like maybe eight years old and just, you know, all throughout my life, little things like that. I wasn't really into like the Disney movies or anything like that. It wasn't like a cartoony thing for me. It was just simply, uh, I kind of, I liked the idea of having a tail and stuff like that. Uh, but then as I got older, I got really into centaurs for whatever reason. I just really thought they were cool. Um, so Harry Potter movie is a great example. And just various other movies, whenever they would show up, uh, I was always like, that was a big thing for me. Uh, Animorphs, um, which, which was a book series, they had kind of like a, a Tor-like character. I think they're called Andalites. And uh, that was on the book cover. And even when I was a little kid in, in the library, I would just stare at that. I, was just, I don't know why, but I was just obsessed with it. I couldn't stop looking at it. So it wasn't until I was much older and I got a computer and you know I was mostly into gaming and stuff like that, but... I kind of figured out that I could look up this stuff and I could Google search it and I could, you know, find websites that had images of this stuff. And uh, then the one day I found E621 and it kind of went all downhill from there. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's how I fell into furry. And uh, I found out that E621 had an IRC channel, uh, which is like a chat room. And from there, I found some local furries. There was a, a, a channel called Buffalo Furs because I lived in the city of Buffalo, uh, Buffalo, New York. I started talking to them and I was like, wait, I'm like, wait, wait there's, there's people around me that are into this. Like, this is not just a small thing. This is like a, you know, there's people everywhere that are interested in this. And, uh, so that it just kind of blew up and, um, you know, I was already on Twitter, but I didn't really, I wasn't on Twitter for furry stuff. I was on Twitter just for like, you know, I followed people who were into technology and I followed, you know, news organizations and stuff, but I started following furries on Twitter and, uh, yeah, it just kind of, uh, it just kind of blew up and it's been a pretty central point of my life since. And that was about uh, uh, seven or eight years ago now. Well, that answers one of my other questions. And you'll be pleased to know that other guests uh, that have discussed this, you're not the only one who found it through more adult means. Oh, I definitely. And, uh, and I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to admit that either. It's just, uh, it's one of those things where that's how I found it. But, you know, I found it that way. But I think one of the things that kept me around wasn't the adult aspects as much as it was everything else. The fact that it became so much of a part of your communication, the way you role play, the way you treat others. Uh, and then also the fact that it's such a, a worldly community, you know, the furry fandom kind of doesn't care about borders. It doesn't really care about politics or religion or any of that. And uh, that really, you know, rung a chord with me. And, uh, that's why I kind of stuck around, even if I found it through adult means. 
Yeah. So how did you pick your species for the principal fasona? Well, how did your, you know, how did your fasona come about? That's a good question. And uh, to tell you the truth, um, I actually didn't have a very, um, a very strict fursona when I first started. And actually, in some ways, I still don't. I still don't have a ref sheet, actually. But when I first started, uh, I actually met a girl in my high school uh, who, her name is Leslie, and she actually did all the art for Furcast at first when we first started that, but you know, that happened much later. Um, but when I met her, that was also a big step for me because it was the, like the first time I'd ever met a furry in real life that was, you know, significant. They were in my everyday life. You know, they showed up because I knew there were furries around in the local area, but I, I didn't really hang out with them. I was young, you know, I was in high school or, you know, secondary school, if you want to call it that. Um, but she kind of helped me develop a persona. And at first, oh man, at first it was like a cat, fox, wolf, dog hybrid thing. And it didn't really make any sense, but it just kind of, um, it kind of got more and more refined for a while. I was a Husky actually. Uh, and I, again, you know, really, I didn't have any art or anything like that. I just called myself that. And, um, as time went on, it just kind of got refined more and more. Um, and for a while I was just a wolf isn't just a wolf in quotes. I didn't really have anything else. And then uh, eventually when I started to really do research and learn about, um, you know, the creature, I really started to like red wolves, uh, especially because they kind of fit me a lot more. A lot of the wolves that I met really liked cold climates, you know, because when you look up wolves on the internet, you see them playing in snow a lot. And I didn't really like that because I, I hate winter. I can't, I can't, I can't stand the cold. I love, you know, my studio is like 25 degrees Celsius or warmer. It's never colder than that. So, um, that was why I really like Red Bulls as well. Cause they tend to live more, um, more Southern and they, uh, they live in warmer climates and stuff like that. So it just kind of uh, rung with me and I kept doing it. Yeah, I mean, I remember going to the studio for Furcast to guest and oh my God, that place was like a sauna. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's pretty warm in here. What is it about radio that appeals to you? So I've been into technology stuff my whole life. Um, I mean, even when I was a little kid, I, I was obsessed with like, you know, the stereo that my parents had. And uh, that kind of developed into computer stuff. It wasn't initially about computers. In fact, actually, when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with vacuum cleaners for whatever reason. I don't know why I could care less about them now. But as I, uh, as I got older, I got more and more into computer stuff. And I've always, I, I think the thing that really interested me in radio, this is going to sound kind of silly, but, uh, radio jingles, I've always loved radio jingles, hearing them on, you know, FM radio stations and, uh, and stuff like that when I was a kid. And uh, I used to, when I was a little kid, I actually really liked a country radio station. But, uh, as I got older and older, um, I really got into like data centers and servers and, um, you know, infrastructure stuff. That's always been a big thing for me is infrastructure. And, uh, I think radio has always been cool to me because it's like, it's music, it's entertainment, it's, you know, it's funny or it's informative. Um, but it's also, it's so focused on infrastructure. It's all about having a studio and it's all about, you know, broadcasting and, um, I just really fell in love with the technical aspects. And that's actually primarily why I started. I didn't really start it because of furry or anything like that. I started just because I wanted an excuse to have tons of equipment. And I didn't have any other reason to have the equipment besides, well, I should probably start a show so I can, you know, use some of this stuff. And then eventually, after doing it for many years, I was like, wait a minute, I'm furry. That's a big deal to me. I'm doing podcasting. That's a big deal to me why don't I combine them? And, uh, and, uh, at the time I knew maybe one or maybe two, you know, furries in my area who I could even, would even possibly get involved with me. 
but uh, we started it. And, uh, you know, I had a fan base initially from my other show, but it was very small. I mean, we're talking 20 people would tune in, you know, and, and there were mostly people that I knew. They were mostly my own friends, um, but it exploded pretty quick. And we've just kept doing it ever since. And it's just been a blast. Yes, indeed. You're most well known for your podcast, Furcast, uh, which has been running for... Oh, God, for... when you say I'm the most well-known, that, that terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, well, Furcast no, is... Uh... Your mo- your mo- no, your most well-known reputation-wise as as the host of that and the creator of Furcast. Mm-hmm, yeah. How long has that been running now? Is that about five years or something? Oh, geez. Uh, well, here, I'm sitting next to a computer right now, so I'm going to go to furcast.fm slash episodes slash FC-1, which would be our first episode. And that was July 11th, 2010 was episode one. And I've been doing radio shows for longer than that. My other show, which is like a music entertainment show that I do, that one has been going for uh, at least, I would say, seven years. But uh, Furcast has been going for about five, six years. And of course, we've taken, you know, we've had season breaks where we might not do the show for a few months and stuff like that. But it's it's been going for that long, which is uh, kind of kind of terrifying to me. <laughs> I can't believe that I've been doing it that long. And there's a lot more to come in the future, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, we have yeah. tons of plans and Lots tons of, of ideas. And you've, you know, you've just set up the Patreon and everything. Um, but going back to what's happened so far, I mean, how what do you feel so far is the most memorable moment on the show for you personally? You know, that's interesting because, you know, when it comes to to life and and as you go through life and you have different memories, you know, there's tragic moments, there's good moments. Uh, But, you know, when you think of it, a lot of the best memories in your life are, are with people. You know, they're with they're with the people around you. And so I'd say some of the best moments of Furcast have been um, either times where we've achieved something great or just a lot of times it's just some of the laughs that we share, uh, you know, some of those kind of moments. Um, some of them aren't even the show. They're just, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of times after the show, we would either go out to eat or we would just kind of sit around and, you know, drink a cup of tea and just talk. Uh, we'd talk about the show and we'd say, well, that went well, or oh, we didn't really feel that that went very well. And, you know, we'll kind of discuss it. And every once in a while, we would just, you know, have such a great conversation, uh, you know, and a lot of times we'd be laughing or we'd be joking about random arbitrary stuff and, or we'd come up with stupid ideas. And a lot of times those really are memories for me. Um, but one big one that I can think of is probably the extra life campaign. Uh, and, and it's funny because, you know, doing the extra life campaign was never something that was my idea. It was never something I even really even wanted to do in some circumstances, mainly because, it's, it's a very stressful thing to pull off. Um, you know, we're, we're doing something completely out of the ordinary and we've got to keep it entertaining and we're trying to raise money and, you know, we're, we're trying to plan around the fact that, you know, Pharaoh and I both work, you know, full-time jobs. And so it's like, that, that would, it would just be really stressful. Uh, and oftentimes I would actually be really almost upset about it. The fact that we were doing it because it was like, you know, it, and don't get me wrong, like extra life is excellent, you know, raising money for, for charity and for children, um, and donating to hospitals in our local area. I mean, it was such a great cause, but it was, uh, you know, just so stressful to pull off, but it's funny because at the very end of it, I can do nothing but sit back and think about how fun it was and, and, you know, how awesome it was to do it. And, you know, just recently we raised, I think it was $2,500, a hundred us dollars for a local hospital in our area doing the extra life campaign. And it was just very memorable. Um, so it, it was awesome. And I think that's probably one of the bigger memories for the show. Indeed. And a nice one for the community around you as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
there were some people who were like, we were kind of trying to decide that actually, because we, we got one of those big checks, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen like, you know, a TV commercial where someone wins the millions or whatever, you know, and they'll, they'll present like a big giant, you know, check to somebody at their front door or whatever. And it's obviously a gimmick. Um, it's just for show, but we decided to do that. So we enlisted this, uh, company that prints big checks and we were trying to decide what to put on the check. You know, we knew how much money we raised. It was like, you know, it was $2,500. But, you know, what did we say it was from? The check had to be from something. And, you know, a few people said, oh, well, you know, make it say that it's from Furcast or, oh, make it say that it's from the Buffalo Furs or, you know, whatever. And and we ended up writing on the check from the furry fandom. So it was $2,500 to Buffalo Women and Children's Hospital from the furry fandom. And we kind of decided to just do it that way because we didn't want to make it about us. We didn't really want to make it about our show or even our local community. We just kind of wanted to make it the community as a whole contributed and uh, and presented that. And uh, I think that was also really telling of just, you know, the people around me and the people who help out with the shows, how they perceive it and what they want it to become when it comes to just, just tiny little nitpicky trivial things like that, you know, when, when it comes to a decision like that, I, I thought that it was really telling of my friends and, and how they wanted to be in the community. Yeah. Talking of uh, fundraising, obviously you got involved in the Fernando campaign as well and you were there. So it sounds like you've had a lot to do with fundraising and uh, kind of public charity with Extra Life, but um, also with Furcast, you're an ambassador for the fandom and you get new furs coming to you for advice. And how do you feel about that as as someone that is almost, some for some people, their first, almost first interaction with the community at large? That's, that's a really good question. I'm really glad you asked that. I, I apologize. I might be a little all over with, with this answer. It, it's interesting. You know, I guess I think of when I was... 13 or 14 or 15 discovering the fandom and let me tell you i felt like i was on the top of the world i mean it was it was it was changing my life and i loved every bit of it i remember my own time when i first joined and yeah you feel like you've discovered something and it's like wow this you're just on cloud nine almost aren't you Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny because you know, some people describe them finding the fandom later in life. And, you know, some people say, you know, they didn't like the fandom or they denied the fandom or they weren't interested. And then, you know, slowly they kind of fell into it and finally they admit, oh, okay, I'm a furry. But it wasn't like that at all for me. For me, it was I was more on the side of I loved every bit of it. I was so happy to find people that were so willing to express themselves, that were so just beyond you know, social and societal limits. And I don't mean that, you know, they, they did it just, just to break those limits or that, you know, they were against societal limits. It was more that just, they were themselves. There was no limit to their character, especially just looking at videos of conventions and, and, you know, fursuits were cool, but even to this day, fursuits have never been the, the top thing for me. I think fursuits are awesome, but, uh, that's never been for, for me. It was all about like the art and just seeing people express themselves, people wearing clothes you would never expect people to wear normally, you know, at their job or in regular life. Uh, especially I always thought trip pants were cool and stuff like that. And just seeing people walk around with all kinds of colors all over them. That was amazing to me, uh, especially when people look like their fursona. That, that just, I'll be honest, it turns me on. When, when, when I see someone who just so vividly is their persona, you know, just the way they look or the way they act, and I, I just think that's so awesome. So anyway, okay, so to jump back, you know, furries who, you know, being an ambassador, 
once again, I have to admit, it terrifies me when people say that and when you say that, because I feel like I'm a terrible representation of, of the furry fandom. I feel like I'm just the like, not necessarily raunchy, but I just don't. I don't sugarcoat things and I tend to be the part of the fandom that not necessarily everybody's into, you know, uh, I celebrate aspects of the fandom that there are, you know, there are people who don't even like to admit that those aspects exist. And yet I celebrate it. I'd like to say there are probably people out there who probably do not think I am an ambassador and in fact, don't like me because I do end up influencing a lot of younger furries. And, and I acknowledge that I, I almost agree with those people and I understand why they might feel that way. But when it comes to those young furries who, who tune into, to Furcast, it's, um, it's amazing. You know, I'm sitting here thinking that I'm doing it because, well, I'm into technology and I'm into broadcasting and I'm into, you know, um, production value. And, and meanwhile, you know, this, you know, 14 year old kid will send me an email and say like, Hey, you know, you've changed my whole life. And I'm just sitting there like, wow, really? You know, like that's, that's just crazy. I don't even, it's so hard to even fathom for me that that happens. But one thing that I guess I have remained very adamant about is that I like to present the fandom as not a place filled with drama, not a place filled with, um, you know, limitations of, of what's okay and what's not okay. Not any of that. I like to present even to young kids the fact that there is a sexual side to the fandom or the fact that there is this limitless potential of what you might possibly be into or what is something that you might be attracted to or whatever. Because I guess for me, I want to make a person who finds the fandom feel that they have just discovered a place. They have discovered something that will allow them, that will accept them and allow them to be whoever they might possibly be. I want to make them feel like, wow, they're into that too. Or, you know, wow, you know, like these people are okay with that. You know, they're okay with, you know, maybe the fact that I'm a little weird or the fact that, you know, I have this, these weird urges or I have these weird interests. And, and I, I want to make them feel that they have found a place that is completely 100% accepting no matter who they are. I, I feel like I've done a decent job at that. I've possibly, maybe I've misrepresented things, but that's also partially what it's about for me is just when we do Furcast, we are just ourselves. We play, the characters we are on Furcast is ourselves. We want to just have a good time and talk to our fans as if they're our friends and make them feel like they're included and that they're a part of it rather than saying, you know, rather than trying to set a morality basis by sitting down and saying, well, this is right and this is wrong and, and it's not cool that people do this and it's cool that people do this. And, you know, trying to, we try to promote that, no, you're joining the fandom. You need to sit down and figure out what you want it to be for you. You need to figure out what you think is right and wrong and what you think is okay and not okay. And, you know, what you want your community to be about. And, um, that I think is just really empowering. And I'm, I'm happy that I can do that. That's just, that's a moment in life for me that I can even do that. I think that's a pretty good analysis. I mean, I've always been honest and blunt with people when they want to ask me what the fandom's about. I won't completely sugarcoat it. Sometimes I'll I'll play down certain accusations, so we say. But yeah, oh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's 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 better to be somewhat truthful and not look like you're trying to bury everything under the carpet. But one more personal question, and then we're going to go on to more about the fandom in general. Um, sure, yeah. 
And that would be, you define yourself as being a furry lifestyler. What does that mean? For me, and, and first of all, there's a lot of people out there who, who'd hate that term, who just, you know, they reject it. I mean, then again, there's people who hate every term. I mean, you know, there's people where if you say the word selfie, they're like, oh, why do you have to say that? You know, um, but, you know, that also goes goes into furry. There's people who don't like the word gif. There's people who don't like, you know, stuff like that. And uh, there's a lot of people out there who, you know, furry is a hobby. It's a hobby. That's all it is. It's just a hobby. It's nothing more. And blah, 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 blah. You know, they're very adamant about that. And I completely understand that because for most people it is. And the other thing I'd like to say real quick before I describe why I say it's a lifestyle is even though I consider myself a lifestyler and I believe I am, there are plenty of people out there who call furry a hobby who live effectively the exact same lifestyle I do. So, you know, I'd also just like to promote the fact that regardless of what you consider furry, whether you consider it a hobby, consider it a lifestyle, consider it whatever else, you know, the word you put on it doesn't necessarily have any dictation on what it is to you. A lot of times it just comes down to personal taste and maybe how you feel, what you think the word means. Um, Because I've met people who are like, oh, yeah, furry's not really a big deal for me. And meanwhile, they're more into furry stuff than I am, you know, and they spend more money on furry stuff than I do. So it's like, you know, I just like to say that, that the term doesn't necessarily have to mean anything at all. So, so lifestyler to me, I guess the reason I do use the term is because, you know, it's not, it's not like an obsession. It's not, you know, like I, I need it to survive. It's also not, you know, that I'm obsessed with making everything furry or any of that. It's simply that furry is as much a part of me as like my elbow is a part of me. You know, I'm not obsessed with my elbow. I don't have to think about my elbow every day, but it's just there. It's just a part of my body. It's a part of who I am. And so for me, you know, it's like when I look at my lifestyle, it's like all, almost all of my friends are furries. Most of the stuff I do on weekends has to do with the fandom. I'm going to conventions. I spend money on stuff that has to do with furries. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the things we do are, you know, I mean, a lot of my friends, I'm friends with just because they're into, you know, nerdy computer stuff or they're gamers and, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I guess I call it a lifestyle because it is pretty much my everyday life. I mean, I'm, I go by the name paradox more than I go by the name Caleb, which is my real name. Uh, even, even considering work. Um, it's just simply that, and, and part of that, by the way, is not even necessarily about furry. Some of it is just internet culture. Uh, I love, 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 love internet culture. And I, I feel like that's, a, that's also a huge part of my life. The idea of, growing up and being known as a username, not necessarily as, you know, your real name. That's, that's a big thing for me. I really love that. I love, um, like hacker culture and, you know, I love the culture like Reddit. I actually don't go on Reddit that much, but I love the culture around Reddit and and stuff like that. So for me, that's, I guess, why I consider it a lifestyle. It's just pretty much every day. There's something going on in my day that has to do with the fandom. You know, my job doesn't really, I mean, I work a normal job and none of my coworkers know anything about me being furry, but yeah, I guess that's why I consider it a lifestyle. It's just part of my everyday life. And talking of technology, how do you feel that impacts the way furs create content for the fandom? I would say technology is a big part of the fandom for a couple of reasons. Uh, The first is that technology technology has allowed people to realize that they have similar interests. Just that, I think, is 
incredible. Uh, that is one of my favorite things about the internet and about technology is it doesn't matter what the hell you are into. You could be into the weirdest, most mundane thing that no one around you would think is cool. You could be into something illegal. You could be into something, you know, totally off the wall. And no matter what, you can find people on the internet who will share that interest with you, who will be your friend, who will support you, uh, who will help you. And I, that is just incredible to me. And I, I feel like that was pretty much one of the, the starting reasons why furries are, are so into the internet. That's on top of the fact that, you know, furry came from sci-fi and it came from sci-fi conventions, all of which are very techy, nerdy people. And, you know, you combine that with uh, the fact that people all over the world uh, share interests and you break down those borders and uh, I think that's one of the most wonderful things. Now, that's, of course, on top of the fact that technology enables the art to spread around and enables the creation of art, um, whether it be you know 3D animation or digital art or whatever. But I think the most empowering thing about the internet is that it allows people to spread and share alike interests, even if they are mundane or weird or different. And I think that's why the internet is a big aspect of furry culture, and I think that's why the internet is a big aspect of many people's lives now. Okay. Um- so, on that point, where do you think the furry fandom is going to be in five years' time? Oh man, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I almost should ask. I almost want to know your answer to that question because I mean, you know, we, you and I are both so involved in, in community stuff. I think one thing besides the obvious, the obvious is that it's going it's going to explode. It right, furry is getting bigger and bigger. It's growing exponentially. You know, we have tons of evidence of that, tons of statistics and surveys and everything support that. But I think one thing that's that'll be you know maybe more cultural. I think it's the furry is going to be more accepting. I feel like you know a long time ago, like uh, I'll just use one example, uh, mer suits. I feel like, and maybe other people don't feel this way, but I feel like five or even 10 years ago, that was something that people just kind of didn't like to talk about. That was like a shh, 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 don't talk about that. You know, the mercy, that's, you know, that's an underground thing. You know, not everybody's into that. And of course, you know, the media would pick up on that, but, uh, and there was always those arguments over, you know, the obsession of telling the media, no, we're not really into sex and and that, and that whole thing, uh, you know, trying to market that. But, um, I feel like that was something that was kind of shunned or it was, you know, people were not happy about it. If ever it became a big deal or ever, if it came out into the public, uh, people were very afraid of it. Whereas I feel now it's much more um, out in the open and accepted. And I don't mean necessarily for like people who aren't furry, right? Like when it comes to going to conventions and dealing with the public and stuff like that, obviously, you know, it's still, we're still very clean. We still are very, you know, it's not like we're shoving that out into, into the public or anything, but take, for example, the Twitter account fursuit butts that did not exist five years ago or 10 years ago, you know, and not, not just because Twitter might not have been around, but because, you know, I feel like now it's almost a joke to people. And I know so many people who follow that Twitter account who could care less about, you know, maybe the sexual stuff. They, they just almost follow it to laugh at it because they think it's funny, you know, and there, there's Tumblr accounts that are into it. But it's one of those things where that has gotten a lot bigger, that whole idea of um, just accepting whatever people are into and almost being able to take a lighthearted laugh at some of the stuff that furries are into, right? You know, it's almost a joke when you talk about some of the weird things that furries do. And and the fact that furries are able now to laugh at themselves rather than to be scared of themselves, I think that's a big theme. And I think that's going to happen more as time goes on. I feel like the fandom will just, as it goes on, it will be more and more accepting of 
who we are and what we're into. And hey, let's take a laugh at this rather than shun those people. At least I hope. I hope that's where the fandom goes, because that would be cool. Well, I certainly hope that the fandom becomes more mainstream in a way, but certainly more accepted by outside culture so that uh, the community can continue to do the wonderful things it's doing, whether it be with charities or hosting conventions. And- yeah. And I mean, and that'll happen as, as culture itself moves on to, I mean, as everyday culture becomes more and more secular and as, and I think um, also as the generation that's on here becomes more, as you say, enveloped with technology and the internet and grows up feeling that the, in- that the internet becomes part of themselves yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I feel like, um, you know, those changes, by the way, have not just happened in furry culture, but they've also happened outside of furry. Uh, you know, I feel like a long time ago, people looked at furries as, oh, they're weird, oh, they're creeps, you know, they're into weird, you know, they just, you know, screw and suit, you know, people had like a, a messed up perception. Either it was completely wrong and, and very negative, or people were just like, why? Why would you be into that? That's stupid. I don't understand that. You know, that was kind of the perception. Whereas now, I feel like more and more of even just regular standard pop culture on the internet has started to realize that no, furries are actually kind of cool. You know, furries are those people, you know, and and even people who don't like furries I've seen online say like, hey, leave the furries alone. You know, they got their thing. You know, they don't hurt anybody. You know, you let them be into the, and you know, people will actually, you know, say that compared to other things on the internet, furries are actually like really cool and really good because they respect one another and they're so kind and they're so cool. And, and we know uh, how to party and we know how to party. Right. You know, that that's the other thing. When once I, the amount of normal people I've seen figure out what we do at conventions and go, wow, can I come, you know, because they, they think it's so cool. So that's the other thing that's changing too, is, is people realizing how, how cool furries. Now, real quick though, I would just like to touch on the whole, the word mainstream. I don't think what furry is at its roots will ever necessarily become mainstream because it's just so quirky and it plays into some, a very deep aspect of human psychology. Seriously. I mean, I I personally think it's the whole, especially being obsessed with feral and anthro art and stuff like that. I think it has a very deep root in human psychology. That's very special to some people. I don't think that will ever go mainstream, but in terms of the silly stuff, uh, in terms of like maybe the basics of suiting or wearing little furry things and, and, and some of the communication and the role play, I definitely think that could go more mainstream, and I think it will. Great. We're going to go towards some of the more closing questions, which is a whole series of different questions on various things. What's your worst and best experience in the fandom so far? Oh, geez. Um, the worst and the best. I would say one of the best moments um, actually had nothing to do with the shows, nothing to do with me. First of all, I would just like to say that just about every con I, I almost ends in tears. I mean, I going to furry con, spending time with your friends, people from all over the world, uh, you know, and you, you don't even remember, you forget that people are from all over the world, by the way, you know, it's just so inclusive. Everybody's just friends and everybody's snuggly and it's so much fun. But one of the best moments I would say that just, just came to my mind is furry connection North, uh, which is since defunct. Uh, it's been replaced by another con in the same hotel around the same time. Uh, MCFC great con by the way. And it was, um, during closing ceremonies, the convention revealed the amount of money that they were going to be donating to a charity. 
Uh, now, this was years ago. And since, by the way, you know, to anybody who's listening, you might, you know, recognize that cons give a lot of money to charity now. I mean, it's like a lot. I mean, Anthrocon has given, you know, tens and thousands of dollars and $20,000. I mean, it's ridiculous. Cons give tons of money to charity. It's, it's, it's great. But this was back in the day where, you know, it was a big deal for a con to raise even a few thousand dollars. But they raised, um, they just kept counting up the money and counting up the money. And these women were there who represented this uh, shelter for uh, abused animals. And uh, they were there the whole weekend. And, you know, furries were coming up and they were being nice to them and they were petting the dogs and they were like wanting to learn about it and wanting to know how they could help and how they could donate. You know, so we're standing there at closing ceremonies and they're, they're reading out the amount of money that they're donating, you know, oh, well, we raised this much money at this and we raised this much money in this and that's another thousand dollars and that's another thousand dollars. And they were just standing there in awe. I mean, they were just, their faces were just, just, they were just shocked and they were just staring out into the audience as they just heard how much money was being raised. And, uh, you know, they, they gave one of them a microphone and she could barely speak. She goes, guys, she goes, this is, oh my God. And then the convention goes, oh yeah, by the way, we're going to double that. We're going to go from, uh, I think it was like, you know, it was like $6,000 and they ended up doing $12,000 or something like that. And, uh, and the one woman just started to cry. She just completely lost it. I mean, she could, she could barely speak, but she basically said something along the lines of like, no matter who you are, you know, no matter, uh, you know, you will be accepted and you can find love and you can find place of belonging. And she goes, do not ever let anybody bring you down or say something negative to you. And then she also said um, to the crowd, if you've ever had issues with somebody or if you've had a fight with somebody or there's drama in your life, go and forgive that person. Because if you can raise this much money and you can help out a, a, you know, a charity like this, you can be the most amazing person you've ever been in your life. And, uh, and every, the whole audience, I mean, I was crying. The audience was crying. I mean, the chairman of the convention was crying. Uh, that was just powerful. I, the event ended and everybody got up and left the room and I must've stood there for just five or 10 minutes, just in awe of, of that moment. That was just incredible. So that's probably the best moment. As for the most negative, I don't know. Um, I can't really think of anything that stands out. I mean, there, I've had fights with friends. I, I've, I've lost um, relationships. Uh, I've, you know, gotten sick at cons and, and drove home and, you know, in the process of throwing up. I mean, you know, there's been all kinds of, you know, terrible things, but none of them have ever, ever really had to do with the fandom necessarily. The worst moment for me was probably when a bunch of local furries that I adored and loved, uh, I, I, I basically lived at their house and uh, I was in a polyamorous relationship with them. I was very young. I was like 15, um, but I just absolutely loved them. And, I, you know, these were like the kind of furries that I really liked. You know, I, I had previously barely ever met any furries and and uh, I was so alone and I had a fight with a bunch of my friends in high school and, you know. I ended up contacting them and I met them and I was like, Hey, I'm going to come over. And, and they just like took me in. I mean, they were some of the nicest people I'd ever met. They were so snuggly and they were so, you know, accepting. And, uh, I was absolutely in love with them and they moved away and I knew they were going to move away. They were planning on moving away. I mean, we, even when I met them, it was pretty much known that they were going to leave in a few months cause they had, they had planned it. But, um, that devastated me just losing my place of belonging was huge. I mean, it, that devastated me for years and years. And, 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 you know, they had a lot of problems, you know, and I had a lot of problems with them. You know, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't a perfect situation, but 
I think um, the problems that it had, in addition to losing it, really showed me what kind of person I wanted to be. It really showed me not only what I want in my life, the th- kind of things I desire, but it also showed me the things I might want to avoid. Maybe, maybe situations that you know I've discovered that you know I should get not get involved in, uh, and it kind of you know it did a little bit of both for me. So, as much as it devastated me to really lose that group of furries in my life when they moved away and I had nothing, I had no friends. I had, I mean, my weekends were destroyed. My, the people I hung out with, there was nothing. I mean, it was just tragic for me. This was before Furcast too. And, uh, you could say then that that was you young and naive. And then you found a new place. You created a new place of belonging for yourself. uh, Yeah, I, I would definitely say that, but also you know, as much as it devastated me, I do not regret any of it one bit. I don't regret the stupid decisions I made. I don't regret, you know, the mistakes that I made. I don't regret some of the drama that we had. I don't regret any of it because the truth is I would not be where I am, who I am with the job that I have, with the friends that I have. Um, I, I would not have any of that if it was not for a meeting them and falling in love with them and, and being so involved in their life emotionally and sexually and, and my lifestyle and my weekends and my time, but then also losing it It, without both of those things, it would not have, it would not have made me. And, um, I think that's really important too, to realize that some of the most tragic moments in your life sometimes also make you so much of a better person. And I would say that I am a better person today because of that loss that I experienced. Brave words. So there's a couple of more questions here. Uh, These are questions we're giving to everybody on the show. Okay. So first one is, if you could visit anywhere, where would you go? Uh, The UK, definitely. Uh, Specifically, I'd like to go to... um, uh, London and Manchester. Um, I might, uh, I do know a few furries in Bristol as well. Um, but, uh, I know a ton of furries in Manchester and I mean, how could you not know a ton of furries in London? I mean, Jesus Christ, you can't get away from <laughs> meeting furries in London. There's so many of you guys, <laughs> you guys, you guys have a lot there. You guys have a very, very large group. It's impressive. Honestly, it's and the largest, guys- it's the largest monthly fur meeting in the world. It is, yeah, and I mean, of course, you guys, since uh, you guys have more of a theme of doing uh, big meets instead of instead of conventions, you, your your meets are more like cons, actually, which is awesome. It's really really cool. But uh, yeah, that's that's definitely where I'd like to go. Uh, and I've been all over. I've been over various parts of the U.S. I've been to the West Coast. I've been all over the East Coast. I've been to Florida, you know, California, Nevada. Uh, I know tons of furries from Canada, and uh, I definitely, as soon as I get my passport renewed, I'll be visiting Canada all the time again. I'd also like to, at some point, visit uh, Australia. I think Australia is just a really cool place. I also know a bunch of furs there, and uh, the weather. I, I would love the Australian weather. Again, I'm I'm such a summer person. I love heat. I love warmth, and uh, I feel like that would just be really fun. <laughs> But uh, yeah, if I if I visited the UK, I, I must admit this though, uh, I would probably not be very interested in tourism. Uh, you know, it would be cool. You know, don't get me wrong. If you know, I walked by Big Ben, I might whip out my phone and take a picture. But for the most part, I want to just belong. I want to hang out with people and stay at their place and go out to eat and go to a fur meet. And you know, that's really what I want to do. I kind of just want to hang out with people as if I'm not from a faraway place, as if I'm not some. I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but I guess I'm just, I'm not into the whole tourist thing. I'm more into just belonging and, and, and 
you know, being with a community and stuff like that. Well, we look forward to welcoming you when you get here. Um, <laughs> Thank you. There's, there's, there's already a few people, um, in, a, in, a, in particular, uh, V Werewolf, I know he's out there. Uh, I know you and um, a couple of the London furs I know have messaged me and just been like, dude, just come over, just come crash on my couch, just do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll drag you and, here uh, eventually. Don't worry. We will get you here. Yeah, the next, next one. At some point, uh, at some point, I'm going to have a, a few thousand dollars lying around and I'm going to go, you know, instead of upgrading my computer, maybe I should go to the UK. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I need one to day, get to that point. One day you'll, you'll stop. The studio will be just how you like it. Never. Yeah. I'm sure when I spend thousands of dollars on, on uh, well, not thousands of dollars on the plane ticket, they're actually, actually, they're pretty reasonably priced these days. But, uh, you know, when I spend that money and I visit, I'll probably be like, oh God, I could have upgraded a monitor in the studio or something like that. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But I mean, um, you know, that's, that's also my thing. That's one of the reasons I don't have a fursuit either is because every time I, you know, I, you know, get a bonus at work or I save up some money over a few months, you know, and I sit there and I'm like, wow, I have, you know, enough money to get a fursuit. And I'm like, ah, but I could get, you know, I could get a 4K TV, you know, I could upgrade my computer. I could do, you know, whatever. And, and so, you know, some, someday, definitely someday, uh, I think that'll be a, a great life experience. Related question to that. Um, uh, what convention would you most like to attend and what's your favorite convention you've been to so far? Oh man. Uh, my favorite con MFF, just hands down MFF. love it. Uh, I love the way they run that con. I like the way they handle security. I love the hotel. I love the people that go there. Absolutely. Just fantastic experience. I mean, people from all over the world. I mean, honestly, there's, there's probably more foreigners who come to MFF than who go to AC now. Um, just because of how much fun uh, MFF is. So that, that's good. Uh, AC is fun. It's very different. It's not like really any of the other FurCons. To me, Anthrocon's more about putting on a show, and that's definitely a fun aspect. To me, Anthrocon is about the main events, you know, the stage, the ballroom, you know, putting on concerts and, you know, the art show. And, you know, it's almost like a business convention, whereas MFF is just like a hive of furries. I love it. And um, what was the other question? It was, what con would I like to go to? Yes, that's correct. Um... Probably Euroferns. I think I think Euroferns. A lot of people. Uh, uh, let me put it this way: every person I've ever talked to who's gone to Euroferns hypes the heck out of that con. I mean, they're like, they seem to speak of it with just godlike terms. And uh, now, I will say this though: I'm not much of a drinker, and I don't know how much of that has to do with that because. I would also like to add that just about every person who's talked to me about Euroference always mentions that, oh, yeah, you know, you, you got to go there and get drunk and have a good time. And I'm like, you know, I don't really drink. I don't know if I'd have, but I, I know, I'm pretty sure I'd have a great time. And uh, that's, uh, yeah, I'd love to go to Euroference. Well, I that's... went to Euroference in 2009 for my 21st birthday, and I don't really drink much at all either. And I still had a wonderful time. So I'm sure you'd be fine going there. And of course, they're I'd in Berlin. I'd also like to go to uh, RBW. It doesn't exist anymore, RBW. There is still a summer boat party on the London Okay, first, so yeah. I'd like to go to that, even if it's only at night. I'd just that'd be awesome. Well, the last question for you is: um, If you were stranded on a desert island, what meal, movie, and song would you like to have with you? Oh, jeez, wow! Um, all of that is difficult for me. I would say maybe steak. I'd like to have a, a steak, like like a sirloin steak, cooked like medium rare. That'd be, that'd be good. Uh, or, oh geez, I don't know. Uh, a cup of tea, you, macaroni and cheese. You like picked that. one. Now move on. 
Uh, man, I don't know. That's that's just difficult. Uh, as for what uh, what was the other one? A movie and a song, right? Yep, those are the ones. Uh, movie would be American Beauty. Uh, that's my favorite movie ever. Absolutely love American Beauty. And uh, as for what uh, what song? That one is also incredibly difficult because I, you know, music to me is so emotional. So it really depends on on uh, what mood that I'm in and stuff like that. You know, it it changes so often. Um, I can understand that having hosted a music show myself, but I would say, what is the first thing that pops into your head? Right, right. Um, probably uh, something more ambientish. You know, not something electro, even though I love like electro and EDM. Probably something more. Uh, emotional uh maybe something from trent moeller or something from bt probably a bt track i'll, I'll round it down to that much I'll, I'll say that mainly because his music just manages to hit pretty much all the right buttons within a track or within a few tracks and um they're a great mixture of symphonic and electronic and dance and ambience and uh just absolutely beautiful stuff so probably something like that and if i was in a hyped up mood and I know I'm giving multiple answers to this, and it's probably against the rules, but I could I could go for a Justice album, the the electro uh, French electro group. They're just incredible, and uh, I never get tired of their stuff. Brilliant, uh, Paradox. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paradox, thank you for being on the show, and uh, take care. Thank you for putting up with me and uh, and and calling and being interested and wanting to have me on your show. It's uh, it's an honor to talk to you. That's all right. Maybe at one point we'll flip it around and you'll talk to me. We'll have an interview with me sometime. <laughs> We should do that. Uh, hey, hey, someday I hope to have you back in my studio, by the way. That, that, was, that was a very fun experience. Well, if we can't do it uh, physically for now, hopefully we can do it um, virtually at some point, as we've been discussing. I'm sure we'll figure something out with uh, all of our, our ability to somehow use the internet with pause. We'll figure it out. <laughs> well, Paradox, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks. You've been listening to Pause and Reflect with Paradox Wolf and your host, Mike Pause. If you have enjoyed this, please share it and listen out for more interviews soon. I wish you a good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you may be in the world.